Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and I'm your old buddy, Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy. It's a lot harder to do work in the background now that this is a video show. LaValley. <laughs> Finally. I've been trying to get this on video so that he can stop sending emails <laughs> while I'm making strong points, Nish. Strong points! He's that's, not even paying attention. That's your time. <laughs> <laughs> That's your time for air. Uh, I, I do enjoy the ones that people wouldn't know about where I would ask you a question and then be like, I need to change the settings on my ceiling fan. I just like get up, walk away, like go over to the switch. And you just talk as if I was there. The going fools. In. They never knew, Troy. They never fools. Knew. What dummies. Uh, Look at us, back. huh? Welcome back, everybody. It is great to be back with you here on video. For those of you listening that don't know, Fodder's back on YouTube. Wait, has it ever been on YouTube? I think this is the first it's actually on YouTube. When we twitched it, it would stay on Twitch. You know, there, I was looking through, I was cleaning up our YouTube channel the other day, and I found some like old live thing that we did on YouTube sitting on the couch in our studio. Uh, we did like a Cannon Fodder Live from the studio, and we were just sitting there like right. a couple of douchebags on the couch holding microphones. And I remember it took us at least three hours to set that up, and it still <laughs> looked and sounded terrible. Well, you know, <laughs> we're all trying here. We're we all did trying. our best. We did our best. Yes, yes, we did. But if you want to watch us do this, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, also, uh, you can just keep listening. We'll still keep giving you the great sound quality that we do uh, week in and week out. Thank you to CJ, our post producer, who takes care of all that. Siege. Uh, Siege. But for now, I want to talk about some big news. Uh, that's uh, some exciting news this week. We'll also update you on the new subscription service. We've got a little We Are Stupid conversation for episode two of campaign two. And then, of course, listener mail. We're going to get to some of your questions today. Oh, so, listener mail. Looking forward to this one. Uh, normally, dude, when I structure out, you know, a, a show like this, I try mm-hmm. to. I try to tease the big news and get people to stay tuned in. Yeah. But till the end. Sure. But the only reason to actually do that is to get them to watch advertisements, which we don't have on this show. So what's the yeah. point? 
Might as well just give them the news up front and let them go about their day. Yeah. Yeah. There are ads on the podcast version. <laughs> there are, are mid roll ads in Canon No, just pre roll and post roll. Yeah, pre roll. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> pre roll. I gotta keep the fucking lights on. <laughs> Big news this week uh, is, is that? that we have been talking to our good friends over at Marvel after a very, very exciting uh, San Diego Comic Con, followed by a very exciting Gen Con booth show. Yep. We've uh, come together and decided. We're going to do another show, and mm-hmm. we're going to do it at New York Comic-Con. Oh, That's right. Oh, baby. Your boys from the Glass Cannon Network, and well, we'll see who else is coming around. Some others. Uh, yeah, I can't say too much yet, but we'll be at New York Comic-Con this year playing the Marvel Multiverse RPG. I mentioned uh, in the in the rundown right before the show that I, I was going to, can we break the news on this? Uh, and you were like, That's happening? <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of a lot of strands in old duder's head yeah there's a lot going on and uh, it's like oh yeah i forgot about that uh, but it's gonna be friday october 13th at new york mm-hmm. comic-con and you know where we're not doing a glass cannon live new york this year or ever again it's nice <laughs> that we're it's coming home <laughs> to do a, a new york show so if you want to see uh your good time pals in uh the big apple you'll be able to do it at new york comic-con and now you and i went there very briefly once uh, years ago for our first face-to-face meeting with Eric Mona of Paizo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't been back since because I was like, wow, this really sucks. Uh, but I'm excited <laughs> to go and do a show there. That's a totally different experience. And it's not going to be like San Diego Comic Con because, uh, you know, there were, there wasn't a lot going on there, although that was still very, very cool. I had a good time. So now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed and I'm really looking forward to playing the Marvel RPG again because we have loved it every single time we've played it. I'm going to have to come, come up with some Halloween themed, I think. Yeah. Every session has been an absolute blast. Cannot wait to play it again. Yeah. And, and you know what? Marvel. Just speaking generally as a company, obviously, we're just working with a couple people, but Marvel in general has just been really cool, been very, very cool to work with, and uh, some really passionate gamers behind the project who are really excited about this game, and they should be. Because yeah. it's a very, very good game. And so we're all, you know, as as partners in this, we're all very excited to put on this show at Comic-Con. It's going to be 4.30 on October 13th, right? Friday. Yeah, yeah Friday, Friday 13th. Friday 13th, yeah. Now I get it. Um, yeah, really looking forward to that. More news will come on uh, up on that as, as we get closer. But we wanted to give you guys the heads up as soon as possible. So if you uh, could possibly be there, uh, get those plans together. It's just a few weeks away. Can you believe that's just a few weeks away? That makes me sick to my stomach because now I have to do that prep. But uh, also, I think you just need a badge to the con or just a Friday badge and you can get in. So come fill it up. Come see your pals. Yeah, you're not buying tickets to this show. You just have to have a badge to the con and you're in, baby. Get to hang at the con all day and uh, have a little happy hour with the GC and... So more news coming on that uh, soon. Let's talk about the subscription service, which is the biggest kind of thing we're working on behind the scenes. It's day in and day out. Most of yep. it has fallen on McD. He's been fantastic getting back to people. And you guys have been absolutely fantastic with your comments and your feedback, sending screenshots, explaining situations. And things are just, you know, little uh, loops, whatever, bugs getting tied off one by one. But bugs getting squashed. Yeah. And we're really, really, we're oh, well over a 1,000 at this point. Uh, people that have transferred over, mm-hmm. and we're looking to do more, even more in the coming weeks. So want to let you know, if you are a current Patreon subscriber, check your Patreon. 
because there is a post in the feed. Check that feed. Uh, if you are interested in moving over to this new system, which, by the way, is going to allow you to individually subscribe to each podcast that's that is exclusive to the glass cannon network niche the ones that you know you want to listen to individually like i said the ancients blood of the wild get in the trunk this whatever is available at your plan level basically yeah sorry whatever is available at your plan level will uh be separated feeds on your mobile device to listen to so it's it's a spectacular system so far rave reviews across the board from the people that have made the transition Mm -hmm. if you're interested in doing that and you haven't already Go to your Patreon, look in the feed for the uh, post about the beta, and you can sign up to join. Uh, There are, I want to say, roughly 1,500 people that uh, have not yet been invited but are on that list, and Mm -hmm. those invites are coming out soon. So if you want to be added into that next bulk, head over there now. Sign up and we'll get you an invite as soon as possible. Um, and then a little after that, assuming that goes well, everybody's going to be, you know, we're going to be letting everybody know how to come over. And uh, yeah, we want you to make that transition so that we can all get on this new system. Yeah. And, we'll, you know, we'll go into more detail once it's fully public and once everything is is uh, available to everybody. But the long and short of it is I think we're pretty close to be able to just make this available to everybody. And then eventually it's going to phase out Patreon. So, you know, we're going to give everybody enough time to come on over. But eventually, you know, you your Patreon account will be useless. So if you want that content, you're going to have to uh, come over. But we'll give you ample time. Uh, you'll have months of prep to come over. Uh, but you're going to want to jump over quick so you can jump in on those legacy prices because uh, you'll be able to be grandfathered into the uh, the new the new plans. We've streamlined the plans. It's so much easier for us. It's so much cleaner. And uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. And the feedback has been great. I'm most excited that I have been able to hand this over to McD now because it's a real pain in the wiener. It is a pain uh, in the wiener. That up. And, uh, <laughs> and McD's been doing a, a great job, not Amazing. only communicating with the niche, but also communicating with the back-end developers, the people that are working on this for us to build this thing are like, you know, he's been hand-in-hand with them. That's just such an important role uh, to, you know, be communicating with the the developers and communicating with the end users that are showing you the problems. And nobody's better suited to it than McD. He's he's just a guy who could talk to anybody. Uh, Yeah. He's the best. So uh, please come over. Try it out. The sooner the better. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a little there's a little life hack here that I feel like I want to give the people that are uh, fod some hacks? the fod viewers the fod listeners hack zonies if you because we had mentioned that your price gets grandfathered in if you move over to this new to this new system and uh, if you uh, are feeling spicy and you want to get a little uh, blood of the wild in your life or maybe a little ad free campaign two of the Glass Cannon podcast. It behooves you – I shouldn't even be saying this. I mean, I, I can't believe you are. It behooves you to upgrade your subscription on Patreon first to the $10 tier, then skip over. Then do the migration because you're going to save a couple bones. So anyway, you bones. guys are my friends. I want to tell you I, I had to. Uh, you know, We'd make more money otherwise, but I mean, you guys – you seem like a good guy. You seem like a good guy. <laughs> so like I wanted to guy. help you out. Let me, so nice. no. yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me check with my boss. Yeah. Let me just check with my boss. Okay. So fake, that's conversation, a- fake conversation, <laughs> fake, fake conversation, fake conversation. He said you know we what? can do it just this one time. <laughs> <laughs> just this one time. Just for you. You know who you are. <laughs> we'll take uh, off those winter tires. <laughs> uh, 
I want to talk about uh, I want to move on here pretty soon we're going to be getting into we are stupid because we're going to we're going to get a nice juicy topic about the uh, second episode of the show and then your questions on listener mail yeah but first the pr- we didn't talk about something in the last two weeks mm. of the show uh, I'm sorry the the you know since the premiere of the show that teased out in in the premiere episode and was featured in the YouTube video of the second episode. But I don't believe has been mentioned on audio at all. So audio listeners may not realize that in those YouTube shows, we teased the coming of season two of Voyagers of the Jump, which Mm -hmm. is I'm very, very excited about. And I just wanted to mention it here on Fodder because I feel like maybe some people don't know about this, but it's only three weeks away now. It's three weeks. Columbus Uh, Day, right? uh, Or Indigenous Peoples Day. Is it Monday? Is it it released Uh, on Monday? I this, believe so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Monday the 16th, 16th right? I, I know it's October 16th, and I know we're doing oh, New York Comic Con on the 13th. That's the 9th. Sorry. It's the week after Indigenous The week after. Day. So Monday, October 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Get yourself ready for some Voyagers of the Jump. Uh, it's just – it's coming back, baby. I'm very, very excited. Uh, so I wanted to make sure you guys knew about that. Jump for Jump. my love. Jump in. Jump. Jump. Are you done? You make it. (laughs) I was waiting for you to jump in. I really love Voyagers (laughs) of the Jump, and I kind of have I have insider info, which is just not fair. Like I I just know stuff about season two that I want to share so bad, and uh, it would just Matthew'd be so angry. It would ruin things for everybody. Can't stop talking about it on tour. So I'm just gonna. I need to tell somebody. I know. Like I don't care. (laughs) You don't know anything. So the jump, but I. I'm a big fan. Uh, very excited for October 16th. Stay tuned for more info uh, on that. More details as we get closer. Yep. Let's talk about another big release that's happening today. A release you don't have to wait for. For those of you that were waiting on the next episode of Strange Aeons, Glass Cannon Live Boston dropped Woo! today, right? Yeah, today. Are we on schedule for that? Did it actually end up dropping? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's a fucking show and a half the whole tour all year. I'm, how can Chicago, St. Louis, and Philly not be phenomenal? The whole year has been great. And Boston show just, it's right up there among the greats. <laughs> when we were so talking ridiculous. about the release of it, uh, you know, coming out this week, you and I were just banting back and forth, uh, as we do, uh, the, the funniest bits from the show. And some of them are just so funny. They're just so funny. So, uh, <laughs> Keep an eye out for Glass Cannon Live Boston uh, releases mm-hmm. as a podcast as well. And where is that, Troy? Is that on Patreon right now? Uh, nope. Uh, Strange Angels is going to be on the Glass Cannon Podcast feed, the publicly available feed. Ah, okay. So yeah. it's still dropping on the, the Glass Cannon Podcast feed. Great. Yeah, we're just uh, – part of the new transition to the new system is streamlining things, cleaning things up, not having things in 10 different places. We wanted to offer the ad-free version of Campaign 2, but Strange Aeons is now going to be available – on the Glass Cannon podcast feed. And on days that we travel, like Chicago and St. Louis, when that Chicago show on a Thursday, on Friday morning, you'll be able to listen to the uh, Strange Aeon show on the Glass Cannon podcast feed. Great. Uh, speak of, speaking of St. Louis uh, and Chicago, where are we at with those? I know St. Louis had sold out and then we released a few more. Are they yeah. still available? We released like 60 more tickets and there are 13 left in St. Louis. And they're, it's great. They're all the bar stools at the bar, which to me, is exactly where I'd want to sit. You don't have to wait for a drink. You just go, yo, uh, six more bottles of wine, please. And uh, right there. They're so fancy, these places, too. I would be like at the bar ordering cocktails left and right. So at 13 bar stools, I mean, 
Get those tickets. We got to sell that out because then we'll come back to St. Louis. Chicago, we've been giving you a lot of shit, but you've been doing great. We've got over. Chicago's been showing up. Yeah, we're, 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 we're getting there. I think it's, it's possible to do a sellout. If those people that went to, uh, what was it? Liberty Hall? What the hell was the place? Lincoln Hall back in the day. We used to sell out Lincoln Hall in seconds. We got to get those people to buy the rest of these tickets. I think there's a chance. We still got a month. Be great to sell that out. Otherwise, uh, probably won't put Chicago on the list next year. Is that a threat? That's a promise. (laughs) Such a jerk. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Okay. Let's talk about episode two of campaign two. All right. I'll talk Uh, about it. uh, Let's get into what we'll call We Are Stupid. Got another nice report card from uh, Professor Eric, who was like, hey, no mistakes, but that's because you didn't do anything about about the game. Uh, Bad in a thousand. Exactly. You just uh, played improv with your friends and then sent me a file. (laughs) I I don't know why. Why would I listen to this? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, Professor Eric brought up an interesting point that that I do want to talk about. But first, oh, episode two, oh. uh, your takeaways, your thoughts, the, the the group first walking into, you know, the central location of the beginning of of the of the adventure path. Uh, lots of NPCs around, but it seemed like. A few of them were kind of off the cuff, or is Rodney Thimble Dick in the book? Just Rodney Thimble Dick is in the book. No, <laughs> I love that guy. I, I, I really, I wasn't joking. He's like, you'll see me again. We got to bring old Rodney, Rodney Thimble Dick back. Uh, but this was an interesting one because when I read Gatewalkers and I had mentioned last week in Cannon Fodder, I thought it was kind of a. Weak, not, a, not, I hate to say weak opening. It's just a different opening. You know what I mean? There's some openings, it's just like combat. You're in combat or like you're thrown into a situation. You've got to figure a way out a puzzle or this or that. This one is a very slow burn. There's a lot of backstory. The characters already know each other and now you're being thrown into this investigation. And then the investigation is leading to something that will most likely not end up in a combat that is kind of like a, uh, espionage. Thing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to fight these oak stewards to fuck you up. Uh, but you don't, I, you, I like basically how you guys go about it. I have no idea what you're going to do. So it's you a lot more difficult like to, to prepare. Me, episode two felt to me a lot like a score in Blades in the Dark. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it felt very like we have this objective that's very, very clear. Uh, there really isn't a mystery uh, ahead of us in terms of like what we need to do here. And we have a very basic understanding of the defenses that are sort of preventing us from doing that. So start the score. You know, what, what's the, what's the, uh, the, what do they call it? The detail. Establishment role. Right? What's, the, the, what's detail, the detail? Yeah. Well, you give the detail and then you do the, uh, oh my God. It's not it's the wrong. establishment role, but it's I know something what you're like that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's been I a forget, while. But when anyway, it just tells you how you, it was interesting because we did spend a decent amount of time talking about the strategy of the plan, you know, for how to execute. Now, where we are right now, it seems uh, successful, but you don't really 100% know. You just know that uh, we got to the gates without, you know, the guard knowing. And that that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. So it's a great step in the right direction. But I'm curious, you know, we've come to we've come upon this before. I'm curious as to your takeaway 
just in general, about long planning meetings uh, between players, you know, on a show before actually going and doing it. Blades in the Dark's mechanics cut that out. Pathfinder does not. And so we really have to kind of come up with a long plan. What were your thoughts? What was going through your head as we were talking all this stuff out? Yeah, I mean, I I loved it because what I was going to say is that this presented a very unique encounter in that, like, it was really left up to you guys. All I can do is kind of re- react to how you go about solving this situation. And so it's a lot more difficult to plan because I'm thinking like, well, maybe they'll do this. Maybe they'll do this. Maybe they'll do this. I could like plan out what I'm going to do if you do that. But really, I just have to improv. So I have to kind of like know what the score is, know what I feel comfortable doing, knowing how far you can push it. Because if you just came up and started fighting the Oak Stewards, I'm like, all right, well, then it's now we're going to get into a combat. Let's do that. Um, so I have to I have to know all those stat blocks and everything. But at the same time, that's why I liked you guys doing all of that planning because I was it was allowing me to prepare our improv based on that. It's like, okay. Oh, so they're going to do that. Interesting. All right. So maybe I'll do this. So it, I, you know, it's different when you're in the middle of a combat, like being like, let's talk this out. Well, you really don't have that time. You have six seconds. Let's, let's keep it snappy. I mean, you used to go five, four, three, two in your games. You know, I don't do that so much, but I, I hate it when like, you really don't, you really don't have all this time to do this planning. You should just make a decision and do it and act hope it and works. react yeah yeah um with this i was happy to let you do it yeah and you're ta- and you're like whispering in, in hushed tones like we we've seen the location we know the, what the guards look like we know something about this alarm how are we going to approach it uh and, and you know everybody's tossing around ideas it's just always so funny too because these were just nerds that are sitting around playing a game like nobody actually knows how to break in anything <laughs> or like actual thievery you know so it's always just so funny to watch people stumble into like how to do it illegal activity well which is what i think is makes delta green just so enjoyable for me to run because it's just like these people that would never get into murdering and, and ditching bodies try to figure out how they would murder people and ditch bodies uh but yeah, so it, the planning process I was concerned would be, you know, all pointless because then, you know, you would arrive and there'd be something there, or an, an encounter or an event that would just throw your plans out of whack immediately. So far, though, so good. Like seems nothing has like thrown it. it out of whack. Everything seems to be going according to plan and some exciting, you know, news, at least for the players at the end of it with the the aura recorder. So, I mean, it's it's cool. It's fun. Um, and I, I was, like that you cased the joint too. That was great. Like yeah. you guys went there and I was like, Oh, I wonder if they're going to go there and then just do it. I'm like, I'd like a little more time here. Let's go to Patsy's. And so you case the joint. <laughs> you guys sure you don't want to go to Patsy's? You went, <laughs> you, went, you went and talked to Al Michaels and, uh, got to know, Oh, these guys seem like legit. They don't seem like bad dudes. That, that changes how we may approach this. And then you went to Patsy's and then went back at night and to be able to use Foundry VTT and have night and have the, the gates lit up and yeah, dark vision come into play like that was a lot of fun and uh i was excited to show that off to you guys because they did a, a real great job with the uh those gatewalkers premium maps so yeah all around really really fun and dude i just finished the edit on or at least the audio portion of episode three and it's fun as shit i'm excited for people to to listen yeah, I actually don't want to talk anymore about the episode because it's just going to lead me into too, you know, perhaps <laughs> foreshadowing too much of what slip. comes. So yeah, let's let's save it. Let's save it for next week. But I do want to bring up a conversation starter that uh, Professor Eric brought up in lieu of a "We Are Stupid." And the one mechanical thing that we kind of came up against at the end of the episode was the actual 
uh, penetration into the area. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. That's why I chose that word. Um, And the thievery checks, the um, deception checks, these things that were necessary to accomplish our goal here, to put our plan into action. We asked for an aid at one point, and Skid mentioned – that it just feels so high. The, the DC-20 aid level seems so high. Yeah. And um, and I, I agree, but you and I typically think alike in these situations, which is usually like the developers made things a certain way because they know what they're doing and they tested things and they know what they're doing. Yeah. That said, I also put a lot of stock in Professor Eric's extensive experience as a player uh, because playtesting is very important. And I feel like Professor Eric has a good kind of finger on the pulse of a lot of different people, not just his home game, a lot of different people playing this game. So his comment uh, on aid, uh, by the way, let, let's bring it up and just look at it here on Demiplane so yeah. we can actually get kind of word for word. And I think we could also even discuss for a second here the – you know, how we should approach this from a, a raw versus, you know, interpreted standpoint. We we discussed that it is a reaction. We discussed that it is, you know, its trigger is an ally is about to use an action that requires a skill check or an attack roll. And then obviously the ally has to be willing to accept your aid. To do this reaction, you must first prepare to help, usually using an action during your turn. You must explain to the GM exactly how you're trying to help. First, let's let's address that point. I want to get a sense from you because we w- had some back and forth about this on air. I think cannon fodder is a good area to expand on this. I argued in the episode that we should have the right. This is actually in the pr- uh, no. I argued that we could. I've argued in the past. I don't know if I did it in the episode that we could have the right to describe how we're helping at the moment of the reaction triggering as opposed to knowing ahead of time exactly how we're going to help because it's not our turn yet or whatever. What are your thoughts on that in general? Do you believe that the players must know how they're going to help at the time of their turn to set up an aid properly? Yeah, no, I th- I think that you made a good argument, and I'm fine with that, especially where it's a reaction. Um, You know, it does allow for a little bit of gamesmanship, but that's okay because it's as written. You're really not reacting until you're reacting. You're 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 spending an action. You're spending uh an, spend, action. an action on your turn and your reaction. You're and your action and your reaction. So you you the you know the the payment is pretty good to be able to decide in the moment because situations will change. I think the fact that it's a reaction, you should be allowed to. You shouldn't be committed to the first action because oftentimes it's not going to make sense now that the situation has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I agree. I, I tend to agree. I think that you know rules wise, you could kind of see it both ways. You know, if you're looking word for word, you know, you must first prepare to help. Usually by using an action on your turn, you must explain to the GM exactly how you're trying to help. Sort of sounds like that means at that time. Uh, but you know, when you use your aid reaction, attempt a skill check or an attack type decided by the GM, the typical DC is 20. So word on the street from Professor Eric is that this 20 DC is considered by a lot of experienced players to be too hard at lower levels. This is apparently a common feeling. uh, And he knows of several groups that change the DC for the aid to the DC of the check. So it could be the AC of the creature or whatever, or 20, whichever is lower. 
So like that is one way they go about it. 20 or huh. whichever is the DC of the, the check the person actually has to do anyway. So if you had a, let's say they're trying to do a deception, right? It's mm-hmm. against the perception DC of the creature. What this sort of rule suggests is what's the perception DC? If it's lower than 20, make that the DC of the aid. Because that's sort of a good bar. Yeah, I mean, this is where it really is like, just roll and I'll let you know what happens. Uh, because I, I don't, I can set the DC aloud if you want, and then you know. Otherwise, I can kind of... You never need to set it aloud, ever. Yeah, I mean, if you want a high stakes, it'd be like, all right, you got to hit this. But sometimes I like to be like, roll, and then I'll I'll decide. And that's what I did here um, when uh, when Kate rolled to, or did I think Kate rolled to aid Skid in the thievery check. Mm-hmm. Um for me, going back to Blades in the Dark, the way I'm starting to think about it is like, what is the situation? Is it controlled, risky, or desperate? And the DC is going to change based on that. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the uh, diversion that Lucky created, it while it wasn't a well, it wasn't a controlled situation. It went from desperate to risky in my mm-hmm. mind. So that may have altered uh, the DC. Uh, and I that will, I will say that like at, without the aid. Skid would have failed the check. Now, he wouldn't have critically failed it, uh, so he wouldn't have set off the alarm per se, um, but now your diversion is gone. You would have lost the diversion because you know that uh, that alarm only lasts for one minute, so now you've got to change your strategy, and it may have changed things. So, I don't know. I think I, I, I was happy to have it happen, um, but I was prepared for it to not happen, and th- that's kind of where I'm at in my head right now. It's like, what's the situation? If it's in the middle of battle – you know, well, what, what is the real situation? Otherwise, I, I, I'm fine with the DC 20. I'm sure the designers put that in there for a reason, but I'm happy to sway that. I'm not going to go higher than that. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah, so. He, yeah. Unless it's a ridiculous I, thing that you're trying to do. Like, all right, you want to do that? I think that's ridiculous. In my head, I'm going to be like, that's DC 25. Yeah. You know? And you can also change it based on, you know, how powerful the characters are or where you're at in the game. But yes, usually what Eric is saying about what some people who change this are commonly doing is DC of the check or 20, whichever is lower. So mm-hmm. if it's above 20, you still make 20 the, the, the DC. Now, one of the main reasons he believes that people are doing this is because – They like an easier game. No, honest, no, actually, <laughs> it's because aiding is a very strong action. It is a, a smart tactical action to use, particularly at later levels. A, an individual plus one is very important to distinguish between a critical fail or a critical hit at a lot of times. So a plus one is very important and it's used often at higher levels, but newer players and players that are just getting started are tending to not use aid as their action because it's so difficult that they sort of forget about it and they don't get in a groove to actually use this thing that is very valuable tactically. And so it's sort of a a change to help farm people along, to be like, no, this is a legitimately good thing to do uh, in combat or out of combat for skill checks or attacks uh, as you're when you're lower level so that you get into a groove of using it at higher level too, because it can continue to be tactically important. So anyway. it's interesting. It almost feels like it was written to be prohibitive. Like it was written that the the developers don't want you to use it or not use it until higher levels. Yes. Well, I mean, and I wonder not, what the thought behind that was. I think the thought behind it was just to, uh, well, A, make it relevant at later levels, you know, where mm-hmm. the 20 is, is so easy to hit. It's really more about at later levels, can you crit? Because also we want to look at the differences in the success levels, right? Yeah. Because you can, you can critically succeed 
uh, kind of highlight this. Yeah, you can critically succeed and get a plus two to the check. Yeah, or a plus and obviously three that if changes you're a master, as you get right? into higher levels, right? A master, or if you're yeah. legendary. But then this is the the real. This is the one for my money. Uh, a good reason to just set it at twenty is there's a lot of risk there, right? Yeah. If you critically fail, you actually hurt the check, as opposed to one e where it was just like whatever. And so uh, Eric's response to that is basically <sighs> what it is meant to do is scare people off from aiding in situations where they're not skilled because you actually risk hurting the check. Whereas in one E there was no downside to attempting to aid somebody and everybody around the table would just be like, I'll aid. Yeah. Yeah. I'll aid. Yeah. I'll, right, right. I'll aid. And everybody's rolling it in one E not only does it not stack, but you could be the one that ruins it. Right. So like yeah. if, 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 so it's really, uh, you want to make that choice and, and make it carefully. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Thank you for bringing up that convo, Professor Eric. It's a good one. Yeah, it's cool. It's good to talk about the nitty gritty like that, especially now where we don't have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, totally. But, but soon and, we will. And because I strongly believe that aid is something that will come up nearly every episode, like at one, at one time or another. People oh, are always sure. aiding people. So it's a very relevant thing to have a clear understanding of as a table about how you're going to approach it. Uh, all right, let's kick it over to our good buddy, uh, Nick Lowe. Sing us in. You were going to say lick no. Lick <laughs> <laughs> no. It's time to listen to me. Gotta get your brain up on it. Time to listen to me. You gotta cue that fucking Thank you, Nick, for that wildly inappropriate <laughs> singing music. For listener mail, great to have you guys back. Thank you so much for writing in. Remember, email us at contact at glasscannonnetwork.com with the subject line listener mail. Woo! That's how you get your question in, and uh, we can you know choose some juicy ones to throw here uh, up on the show. I have one here from Roger. What's up, Raj? Raj. You're already professional GMs in one sense of the word, but have any of you considered becoming the kind where a group can hire you to run a game for them with your <laughs> fame and skill level? Uh, you could change. You could charge lawyer or therapist rates hundreds an hour. Uh, if that happens, I may as well declare bankruptcy. Also, since Joe likes TV dramas set in the north of England, particularly Happy Valley, has he seen Scott and Bailey? It's by the same writer and is one of the best police series ever made. <laughs> no, I never saw that show or heard of that show. But I do love Happy Valley, so I will be looking that up. Um, have you ever considered doing GM for Hire stuff? We've talked about it uh, loosely. Yeah. Uh, we've never talked about it as like a business model thing. But have you ever considered just uh, freelancing out your services? <sighs> I have. I have. I mean, I, have I thought about it? Has the thought entered my mind? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, from a business standpoint, we used to have the hundred dollar tier and that's kind of what we did. Basically, you're paying, you're paying a subscription for all the content, but you're paying an added amount to have us run games. A higher GM for you. Uh, yeah. For you. yeah. Um, and it just got to be untenable. Um, even with all of us, just because our schedules making content, um, got to be the point where we couldn't get other people's schedules. So we stopped doing it. And then we thought like, well, what if we offer that as a service? Um, you know, but it's kind of the same problem. Uh, we just, we have too much else going on, but I do think that there's a, it could be like a great, I'd be like a side gig. I wouldn't do it with the glass can. I'd be like, yo, it's like cameo. It's like make a little extra scratch yeah. through the valley. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line. I think if we started doing that, it could open up the door to a lot of 
nonsense and then be like, why, why aren't you doing, how come I don't have you in the show? I got three hired games this week. It was like, well, you're an employee here. You got to take care of that shit first. Uh, you're like, yeah, but they pay really well. Um, I don't know. I, I see, sometimes I see people do it online. I don't want to throw shade at anybody, but I'm just kind of like, it just leaves me with a weird taste because if I were to do it, I would charge a, a stupid amount and then I just feel like an asshole, but I know what my time is worth. And so I would be like, sure, I'll run a game for you. Here's my final offer. And be like, there'd be a couple of people to pay and it'd be great. I could, uh, I could pay off some college loans maybe, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I would just end up looking like an asshole because I've seen people do it. I'm like, eh, that seems a little gross. Yeah. I feel the same way. I've, I've had the same thought and, uh, I've also just thought it's not, uh, no one is going to pay, nor should they pay, what I would have to charge to do it, just because we have so little time, and so like the and like running a game is a lot of work, you know, <laughs> like it's a ton of work outside of the hours that you're actually there. So you'd have to charge for all the hours you're preparing when you're not even hanging out with the people and stuff, or factor that into the hourly rate of the actual being there running the game. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. I'm not saying I would never do it, uh, but I I'll certainly do it when I'm like an old washed up glass cannon uh, veteran <laughs> with nobody listens to anymore. Then I'll, right. I'll do it on the side for like, super fans on the convention circuit. You make a little extra money, like an old wrestler signing headshots uh, right. at a at a convention. Um, you know, there was uh, I don't want to say this. There was this group that asked me to do something like this. And it's pretty well known. It's like, hey, we'll we'll pay you to you know run these games, and I was like. Okay, I see a lot of people do it. And then when I saw what they pay, I was like, absolutely not. That is so much work to, to do this. I don't want to, I, I can't, I've got a, I've got a full time job as a, doing this company. I can't go do that for that little amount of money. No, no way. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I, I think that if I were ever to do it, it would, it would, it would be cost prohibitive. Yeah, it's it's a fine line, but it's a really good question, and yeah. uh, one of these days, I'm sure one of these days, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to, we'll have to. Yeah, maybe for uh, charity, it would be fun. Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, one more question, and then uh, we're gonna get on our way here. But this one is so fantastic; it's nice and juicy. Ooh, you and got the best a moist part is, one. I don't have to talk at all. Oh, I'm just gonna relax. Hate Troy hates these ones. I'm so excited. I'm yeah, so he excited. doesn't. Run, he doesn't always run these by me. So sometimes I'm like, I know this is <laughs> this right. is this is fresh. Well, because I, I partially know the answer. Nick writes in. Uh, what's up, Nick? Nick writes in with a question. GCP. First off, thank you, folks, for all that you do. You rock. Thank you, Nick. You rock. Stop it. Is this Nick Lowe? Quote: I've been searching everywhere for a father that goes into detail about Troy's prep. I found an article online. Do you remember that? I found an article online, but that seems like it was from ages ago, and you all have grown so much since then. Is there any way we could get a look at Troy's prep notes for a session we've listened to? <laughs> or just a real good breakdown of how the man himself gives us such amazing content? I'm an aspiring DM, and I'd love to know what happens behind that GM screen. Uh, thank you, Nick. Nick. Well, first of all, I can answer the question for you. Uh, could you get a look at Troy's prep notes for a session? <laughs> I don't get a look at Troy's prep notes for a session after we've played. <laughs> no one will ever see it, right, Troy? Yeah, and no, I would never share my notes. Uh, pay to, pay no attention to what happens. horribly inappropriate things written in there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it gets dirty. Uh, yeah, no, pay no attention to what happens behind the curtain. I, I wouldn't want to share my notes. I, I don't think that... Uh, 
I'm sure it'd be helpful to see how I do things, but that's kind of like, that's my, that's my proprietary John. Uh, <laughs> I do think it would be interesting to talk about it. And I, I, we do sometimes, I think we'll get into it more, uh, as we, we, we get back into this form of cannon fodder when we get into the nitty gritty of like how I'm prepping encounters and prepping certain set pieces for gatewalkers. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It always comes down to bandwidth. Like we've, I've taught, I've thought about doing like a, a daily or even a weekly show that is just like talking game master stuff. Um, and even if it was like a 15 minute episode a day and you had like a little digest or, or every other day or a couple times a week, you know, something more frequent, but smaller bite sized things where I just go into like GM stuff. And, um, I don't know. It's just, we don't have the time to do it. I saw the things would have to suffer and I would really need a program director to kind of like come up with the sort of concept and then let me go brainstorm. It's like, all right, so this week it's going to be about initiative. And I'm like, great. All right. I can think about that, but I don't have the time to program the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would have, I could probably have the time to do the show 15 minutes, right? Um, but I wouldn't have the time to like program it from week to week. I guess I could do like a mailbag, but that's what listener mails for. That's kind of what this is. And so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the response, Nick, is like, we, I really appreciate the question. I, I love that you're an aspiring GM and I, I, I encourage you to, to get back there and just get started and just try it out because the reality is you can never just like read something and know how to GM. Uh, you can never hear uh, an episode of Fodder and know the secrets to how to make your game better. Not only is every game so unique in terms of the players and the chemistry and the game you're playing and the setting and the system that you have to bob and weave in you know, a lot of different ways. But when it comes to wanting to know a given GM's style, strategy, approach to prep – there's no way they could just lay out in in a in a simple answer in a show ha- what they do to prep for a game. It really is about like you said, right? I think it's a great idea. Small tidbits, small segments. You would have to take 15 minutes on each different aspect of a game, of each different kind of game you could be playing, or each different kind of situation or scenario you could be in, which could be hundreds. Hundreds of different little scenarios over the years that experience has taught you, oh, in this situation, I do this. In this situation, I do that. This is a perfect example. Earlier today, we were talking about the the approach, the, the players discussing – oh, the engagement role. That's what it's called. Engage, the players discussing yeah. the approach to the score that we had in episode two. As a GM, you're, you're giving us some insight to what you're doing. You're sitting back there picking apart the plan and not necessarily just thinking about how to um, – how to uh, break it, <laughs> break the plan. That's not necessarily what you're what you're saying or what you're thinking. What you're thinking is like, how can I make this an interesting set piece for this plan? How can yeah. I how will I react to this plan and make it a fun show for everybody? Like you're you've got to always be listening to the players in detail when they're talking to each other and and thinking about how you can jump on little things that they say to expand their fun and, and give them opportunities to shine. And that's just, you know, one little thing that comes up today, but that's not something you would mention in a macro view of how you game. So it's very like, you got to take it case by case. You got to keep listening to the FOD, you know, and it's, yeah. these things are going to come out over the course of campaign two. Yeah. And like, I mean, I could tell a novel about like how I prep gatewalkers versus how I'm prepping season two of time for chaos, you know, cause I'm in the middle of that prep like gatewalkers. I'm kind of like ahead on my prep. And so I've prepped up through like, you know, 
section one of book one. I feel pretty confident with that. And then before a day before a recording uh, or a couple days before, I'll look over those notes. And then day before I really dig into what I think you guys are going to do, but I've have a lot of that prep done. Eventually I'll start prepping the other sections to get ahead as well. Whereas time for chaos, it's like, I know where the players are going to go next. I've got to now prep that whole chapter essentially as a whole different fucking beast than prepping a pathfinder adventure um while while i also use very similar um setups you know i just use google docs you know for example a lot of people like to use OneNote. um other people like to write write it all out which seems crazy to me um but uh yeah i mean i could i could certainly there's there's, there's a lot to talk about but everything is its own every everything comes with its own approach every game um, every, every game. show every yeah. session the, episode you know, thing, yeah i don't have yeah there's not one formula to how to get this done i prepped season uh seasons four and five of getting the trunk wildly different than i prepped seasons one and two you know it's just over time things change you, you adapt to certain scenarios certain players certain games so the you know not to not to give a non-answer but the point is just Get back there and start GMing. Stop waiting for some <laughs> light from the sky to tell yeah. you how to do it. There is no guide. Any Dungeon Master guide out there is a fantastic resource that you will can read to – but when you finish reading it, you're not ready. Like you're not just like – now I'll do it great. <laughs> the only way to do it great is to get in there and do it and keep reading these books like reference books as you come across situations and scenarios and keep going back to them. You can't just read it once and think that you have what it takes. It, it, that, that also sounds weirdly not what I mean. I, I just mean that like you're always learning. You're always improving. You're never done figuring out how to GM. That's yeah, all. you only learn by doing it. Like you're not going right. to learn from a book. You'll learn t- tips and tricks. And then like as you're going, you can listen to shows like this and be like, oh, that's a good – I never thought of, about doing it that way. Like I was uh, telling last week about how I roll my secret – some of my secret checks. You, even you were like, oh, that's a cool idea. Maybe I'll use that. Yeah, um, uh, always learning. Yeah. What I was going to say is before I ever GM'd uh, for our Jade Region campaign long before Glass Cannon, I was like, I don't – I've never really GM'd before. I've only been a player. Uh, oh, I'll get the Pathfinder Game Mastery Guide. And I remember being like, they should call this something else because it doesn't, there was like two pages in this entire 300 page book about like how to run a game. It was mainly about like how to uh, run a homebrew. That's what the game mastery guide was for, for one E at least. I, uh, I don't think I've looked at the two E one, but anyways, they're not telling you like, all right, first yeah, you need it's like to- how to generate random treasure. It's right. like how to, how to. <laughs> create terrain and how to you know randomize weather i'm like i don't care about any of that how do i I start what do i i read it okay but i'm gonna read it and be like there's no map for this how do i do this encounter if there's no map how do i how do i even get them from the tavern into brine snout marsh (laughs) that's i was like i i don't understand like are they just gonna i'm gonna give them and they're gonna be like come on we have to go to brine snout marsh you know how you learn is just be like all right here's here's session one let's start playing and uh yeah, I don't know. It's really the only way to learn. You learn by doing and then you listen to stuff like this and then read some books to pick up some like hacks to make your life easier. That's really all you can do. It's real exciting. It's it's exciting, Nick. I know it's nerve wracking, but it's just it's it's the best. Like you just gotta jump in and try it. Like I don't know too many GMs that have done, you know, a hundred hours of GMing games and are like 
God, I just hate it. I just hate it. You know what I mean? Like if people put the time, they might do it once or twice and be like, this is not for me. I'd rather play. That's fine. But if people put time in and, and really just like want to GM after a while, like they, they very rarely are like, ugh, I just want to play. I don't want to GM anymore. Like most of them end up loving it and being addicted yeah. to it. So like, trust me, try it out. You're going to enjoy it. And you're going to mess up. We all do. You're going to learn. We all do. We still are. Uh, it'd be really fun. But uh, with that, we're going to call it this week. Uh, thank you guys so much, as always, for uh, coming out, hanging out, watching us on YouTube. Don't mm-hmm. forget, you can get your FOD on YouTube these days. So uh, come watch us on YouTube. And, uh, and yeah, looking forward to episode three of Gatewalkers. I mean, wow. just, just so exciting. It's cooking, dude. It's going to be October next week. Are you ready for this? No, no. I'm, <laughs> I got to get my Christmas clothes ready. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.